If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Samantha Fay, And I'm Deb Bowen. And we're so excited to have you join us this week. We thought it would be fun to discuss something kind of, I don't know, mischievous and interesting and, and just thought perplexing. We're going to be talking about some new and old urban legends. And what does it say about this wonderful, mysterious world we live in? Do you what do you think of urban legends, Deb? Do you like them? Do you find them funny, odd, weird? I always look for a grain of truth. What precipitated this, I guess, is a question I always have about urban legends. That's a really good thought. And I think I can answer that for our first one. Okay. So this one is one of the newest urban legends to come out, and I find it super spooky and interesting. What would you do if you found yourself lost in a huge, old, musty, abandoned office building? Imagine yourself roaming through yellowed hallways, searching for an exit, only to discover that every door, every room, and every stairwell leads to yet another yellowed, lonely set of rooms. Suddenly, you realize you've slipped into the back rooms. This is one of the newest urban legends out there. It began on 4chan's ex-paranormal board on April 22nd, 2018, when a user posted an image of a creepy, barren yellow room with musty brown carpet. Check out our Facebook page to see the photo. Then on May 12th, 2019, the photo was posted again to this board, with a caption asking readers to post disquieting images that feel off. Then another user reposted the same picture with this posting. If you're not careful and you no clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms where it's nothing but the stink of old moist carpet, the madness of mono yellow, and the endless background of those bright flickering humming fluorescent lights spread across 600 square miles of randomly segmented empty rooms to be trapped in, 
God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell has heard you. So mm. that's pretty creepy, right? Yes. And it's not even October and you're already doing creepy stuff. Can I just I am. Okay. <laughs> but you mentioned, so we're going to talk more about the back rooms, but you mentioned that there's often a grain of truth. Well, don't you find it interesting that this started just before COVID and the lockdown hit and we were all feeling pretty lonely and isolated? And trapped. And trapped. Yeah. So yeah. I find that really, really interesting. The back rooms are considered a slip or a glitch in our reality. So if you slip into one of these back rooms, you'll be lost forever seeking a way out. The back rooms look like a huge abandoned office building with tattered yellow walls, brown carpet, and long hallways. Legend says these hallways and yellow rooms go on for infinity. Since it started as a meme and is either a myth or a legend, explaining what these rooms are, how they originated, and most importantly, how to escape from them is tricky at best, but we'll try. The back rooms are a place that exists in another dimension beyond our reality. The rooms trap you in their twisting identical maze. Some say the rooms cover 600 million square miles. Time is either suspended or amplified here. If you get trapped in a back room, it could feel like a moment or like a hellish eternity of being lost and alone. The maze of rooms resembles an outdated office building with strange yellow wallpaper, moldy ancient brown carpeting with those large, bright, blaring fluorescent lights that make a repetitive noise. There are no windows, although you may stumble past an old desk or a chair as you seek your escape. Some aspect of this urban legend says that carnivorous monsters live in these back rooms, wandering the hallways hoping to prey upon you for their next meal. So not only do you have to try and find your way out of these back rooms, but you also have to do so quietly to avoid these monsters. Hold on a minute. You know what is coming to mind as you're talking? I'm not a computer gamer person by any means, but I remember seeing those games early on in the evolution of, of computer games. You as the character were trapped in all this maze-like series of hallways. That's what I'm seeing as you're talking. Am I well, on the right track? Yes, you are. And a lot of people think that's where this urban legend started because this oh. idea of no clipping into another dimension comes straight from video gaming. It allows oh. you, if you no clip in a video game, it allows you to enter and exit levels by not actually finishing the previous level. It was termed. The word you're saying is no clip? Mm-hmm. It's termed by John Carmack, the founder of Oculus VR, and he describes no clipping as colliding with an object you're not supposed to walk through. So for this urban legend, no clipping refers to inadvertently colliding with a different dimension. Several myths have evolved from this urban legend. Some say there are no levels in these spooky backrooms of alternate reality, while others say there are several levels. Level one features the endless hallways and rooms with those fluorescent lights. Level two is more industrious with pipes instead of ceilings, leaking walls, and even more hungry monsters. At level nine, you'll find an endless jungle. Level 10 is an infinite wheat field. So as you move through these levels, you can do so by finding holes in the walls or locating a rusted door. So doesn't Ooh. that sound like a video game? 
It does, but it also sounds in part like the 10,000 Doors of January. Yeah, it does. These doors, these gateways. Some say there are no entities in these back rooms besides the hungry monsters. They have named some of these monsters. One group is called the Smilers, who have nothing but a grinning face and attack you whenever you make a noise or back away from them. The party-goer monsters will attach to you and turn you into one of them. So if you find yourself trapped in the back rooms, avoid wandering balloons, and if you see confetti, run. As for where you can accidentally no-clip into these back rooms, no one really knows. Some say there's an entrance in an office building in Montana. Others mention a street in a small town in New York. Some say there's an entrance in a sinkhole in Japan. Many believe that if you see a wall or doorway that looks off in some way, it could be a doorway to the back rooms. Walls or doorways in abandoned buildings are also said to be possible entranceways. And I have to tell you guys, I had to go to our mall yesterday because my daughter ordered something from an online store and we wanted to return it in person, which meant we had to go to our mall, which is old and creepy and neglected and is in the process of being renovated. Would you not agree, Deb, that the mall in town is kind of creepy? I haven't been in that mall since Dillard was built. How many years ago was that? Yeah, I hardly ever go. So my kids and I are wandering through this almost abandoned mall. I mean, literally every fifth store is out of business and we can't remember where this one store is located. So we're wandering around and there's there's these empty doorways that lead to just plastic lined walls, you know, for the new construction. And my daughter said, talk about the entrance to the back rooms. I think we found it. Oh, no. <laughs> so anytime you feel a little off or creepy or just something's not quite right, it might be an entrance to a back room. And I don't think there could be anything scarier than this idea that you are trapped in a, in a different reality with this endless isolated, awful, awful, old, musky office building. I mean, really, what could be worse than being trapped in an office building in any reality, never mind an alternate one? That to me, I mean, I can't even breathe when I hear this. This is really frightening to me. And I, and it feels very isolated and very alone. It doesn't sound like you're ever in there with anybody else. No, it doesn't. I mean, there are some little fictional stories that are coming out of this fictional urban legend that will have two people no clipping, but they usually get separated pretty quickly. And, you know, it's just such a such a mark of where we are in society. Like I said, this really got steam and took off during the lockdown when we were all feeling kind of separated and isolated and alone. But it, it reminds me of this story when I was in high school. My friends and I had this little tradition that we started. It was called Kiss the Summer Goodbye Party. And so we'd have a picnic in the park and, you know, we would just kind of go over our summer and, and usually we'd end up having really, really meaningful, fun discussions about where we were going to go to college or stuff like that. But this one day we're having our Kiss the Summer Goodbye Party. And I don't know how, but we got started on like our faith and our beliefs and where we go when we die and all this stuff. And one of my friends said, what do you guys think heaven is like? And what do you think hell is like? And so we're all giving our little interpretations. And one of my friends said, oh, I know what, I know what I think hell is. She said, I think it's being trapped 
completely alone in an alternate reality where you can't reach out to anyone. And we all just kind of stopped and like put our drinks down and looked at her because that was terrifying. That's more terrifying to me than the actual images of hell that have been painted and written about and illustrated throughout the years. Do you remember the play called No Exit by Jean-Paul Sartre? Oh, yes. Looking down those hallways with all those doors. That to me was a terrifying piece of work. Yeah. I don't like anything that's terrifying where you're alone. I think if you've got someone with you, you can get through it or make the best of it. And I don't like anything where there is no exit. There's no option. There's no choices. There's no work your way through the levels. Or if you overcome this, you'll be the hero's journey and find the exit. This one is a really scary urban legend. Well, it is. And new to me, I had never heard this. So thank you for sharing that with us. I think. Okay. Here's another one that's older, but was very, very new to me. I just learned of this this month and I was like, whoa, this is kind of wild and wacky. So let's pretend, Deb, that you just bought a lot of property in Washington state. You might want to grow some plants or start a tree farm. Your neighbors are friendly, but tend to keep to themselves. However, you spy a nine foot round hole on your property and notice that several of your neighbors drop their garbage into it. So you decide, hey, why not? And you too begin using this hole as your own personal landfill until one day, years later, it dawns on you. This hole isn't filling up and anything you drop into it never leaves a sound as it falls through the endless expanse of darkness. On February 21st, 1997, Mel Waters called into Coast to Coast AM and talked to Art Bell about a mysterious hole on his property in the Manitosh Ridge near Ellenburg, Washington. He told Art that for years, neighbors would throw trash into the hole, and eventually he began to wonder, why isn't this hole filling up? So as an avid fisherman, he got out his fishing pole and some line and attached a weight to it. He never could find an end to the hole. After buying an industrial amount of fishing line, he eventually dropped 80,000 feet of line into the hole and still never touched bottom. He told Art that if he placed a radio near the hole, it would play music or sports broadcasts from all over the world and from different times in the past. He said you could hear shows from the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. He also told Art that if you held metal near the hole, it would often morph into a different metal. He claimed that he dropped an old refrigerator in the hole and never heard it land. He told him that a neighbor who said he had for some reason decided to deposit his deceased hunting dog into the hole as a form of burial. Later, several weeks passed, the neighbor claimed he saw this hunting dog trotting down a path wearing his same dog collar. But when he called out to his dog, the dog didn't seem to recognize him and simply kept on down the trail. As a result, Mel told Art Bell that he changed his will so that when he dies, he'll be placed in the hole. He said animals won't go near the hole, and no matter what you throw into it, there's never an echo. So this was a really fascinating story for Coast to Coast listeners. Many wrote in, called the show, and emailed asking for more facts about this hole or at least a picture. Mel obliged them in some ways. He called back into the show in 1999, and he told Art a very bizarre story. He said that after his first appearance on the show, 
He returned home one day to find government officials at his property blocking his entrance to his own home. They claimed a plane had crashed on his property and they needed to secure the site. When Mel insisted that this was his property and that if a plane had actually crashed, there would be smoke or some other signs, an official said to him, you know, it would be very easy to find an illegal drug lab on your land. So Mel got scared and did what they told him. Eventually, he claimed that the government offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. They paid him $3 million to lease his property and shipped him off to Australia. But then a year or so later, he broke the terms of this agreement by coming back to the States to visit his family, and he says he lost everything. Skeptics say Mel is full of lies. Some did a record search of anyone named Mel Waters living in that area of Washington and came up with nothing. A local geologist says this story is impossible, and Mel is most likely either making the whole thing up or just talking about an abandoned mine shaft. But in 2014, Seattle's KOMO TV station broadcast featured an interview with a man named Red Elk, who claims his father showed him the hole in the 1960s and told him that it was bottomless. So now we have someone else backing up Mel Waters' story. What do you think about that? I think it's very possible. I don't, I don't doubt this story necessarily. I wonder if it's an exaggeration of something that had happened, like, for example, a a meteor crater. Again, I go back to what I said as we began the show, and that a lot of times I think there's some kind of a grain of truth connected to these urban legends, and this may be one of those. It made me wonder, there's a new show on Amazon Prime called Outer Limits with, I think it's Josh Brolin uh, is playing the main character, and he finds a bottomless hole on his property, and weird stuff happens around it, and it's a good show. But guys, it's one of those shows where you watch every episode and you get no more answers than you had at show one. So I found that very frustrating, but I was intrigued by it. There is an element of time travel. There is an element of uh, strange things reoccurring around that hole. And I wonder if this is where they got the idea for it. Could be. Okay. Should we take a quick break? Yes, let's do and tell folks what we're up to. Go ahead. Well, I've got my Awake Dreamer class coming up September 15th. That's a Thursday evening from 7 to 8.30 p.m. So if you want to learn more about how to engage with your dreams and become a soul traveler and start to understand what's really happening while you're sleeping, please sign up for that class. It will be recorded. So if you can't attend live, you can still get the recording emailed to you. And then in October, I have my Be Your Own Psychic class coming up, those four Thursdays in October. Really love teaching this class. If you want to learn how to engage your intuitive senses and work with the partner to expand and enforce your abilities and understand what type of intuitive abilities you have, this is the class for you. More information on all of that can be found at my website, samanthafay.com. And I just want to thank everyone for supporting me so much and so beautifully during the book release. And those of you who emailed after hearing me on Coast to Coast with George Norrie, it was such a dream come true. And I just want to thank you guys so, so much for supporting me for a very successful book launch. Deb, how about you? Wait. And in addition to that, folks, remember that you can still purchase. It is not too late to purchase Samantha's book from your local bookseller from online stores, from big retailers, big box retailers, 
and an audible version as well, right, Samantha? Yes. And I have autographed copies on my website too. So if you want a copy of the book that's autographed by me, you can find that on my website and it comes with a little sticker you can put on your dream journal or on your car that says Soul Traveler. Lovely. My newsletter comes out next Friday, the 16th. And in that newsletter, I'll be announcing my October offerings of what I'm going to be up to and what I'm doing. And in the meantime, browse through my website and take a look at some of the services that are there. So it's debbowen.com. Okay, Deb, do you want to tell us about the village of the damned urban legend? Certainly from Dudleytown, Connecticut. This small town has been called Connecticut's ghost town. Once a town for farmers and blacksmiths, you can still see the two main carriage roads leading into and out of town, which are aptly named Dudley Town Road and Dark Entry. The town was founded in 1747 by four veterans of the French and Indian Wars. At least two of these four men were Dudley brothers. Legend says that the Dudley brothers carried a curse with them all the way from England that had been placed on the family during Henry VII's reign. The story says that Edmund Dudley was executed under King Henry VII's orders because he annoyed members of the court. However, rumor and legend says that it wasn't that he annoyed anyone. In truth, he was beheaded because he had secreted away an ancient magical book that was said to open the gates of hell. After his father's execution, his son wanted revenge. So Edmund Dudley's son, the Duke of Northumberland, had his son marry Lady Jane Grey so that they could overthrow the king and make a claim for the throne. The plot failed and all were executed, including, of course, Lady Jane Grey and the Dudleys. At this time, another Dudley brother returned from France, sick with the plague, and infected his troops, family, and thousands of English people he encountered on his way home. Another Dudley brother, who was close to Queen Elizabeth I, went missing, and the remaining Dudleys are said to have come to America. So one of the first deaths to occur in this town in Connecticut occurred in 1792 when Gershon Hollister died. Some say he died falling off a construction site during a barn raising, while other stories say he was murdered by a neighbor named Abel Dudley. He sold his home to a family who was then slaughtered in a massacre. Revolutionary War hero General Herman Swift's wife died after being struck by lightning. He soon lost his mind in grief. The wife of Horace Greeley, Mary Cheney Greeley, hung herself one week before her husband lost his bid for presidency in 1872. By 1880, only one resident remained. John Brophy was often seen wandering out of the woods, muttering about demons. Once stories like these had spread, people began leaving the town in droves. By 1900, it was completely abandoned. Then in 1924, a doctor named William Clark purchased 1,000 acres. He and his wife lived happily here for a short time, but when he had to head into the city for a business trip, he returned home to a shocking discovery. David E. Phillips, a folklorist and the author of Legendary Connecticut, 
wrote that just 36 hours after he left his wife, he came home and as he pushed the front door, which had been left slightly ajar, he heard a sound he would never forget. From an upstairs room came the maniacal, uncontrolled laughter of one who had taken leave of her senses. During his absence, his wife had gone quite mad. Now, skeptics say that this is all nonsense. The town failed because its crops failed, and the only curse on the town is created by these silly stories. Still, even Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated the abandoned town in the 1970s and said there was demonic energy present. And all of these leads one to wonder, if there's nothing strange about this abandoned town, why has it been closed off to everyone? It's still patrolled by the state police and all the access roads have been blocked. Now, I grew up in Connecticut and I never heard of this town, but I will tell you, we had enough of our own spooky stories, you know, right where I lived that kept us busy enough. But there's a lot of spooky stories connected to Connecticut. Have you noticed that? This isn't the same haunting as the famous Lorraine and Ed Warren story about a haunting in Connecticut. It's not no. the same. No, that's a different one. And Ed and Lorraine Warren lived in Connecticut. Their museum is in Connecticut. And many of their original exorcisms and stories do center in that state. And it's a small state. You can pass the whole thing in two hours. Wow. What do you think about this? I mean, Well, I just think it's it's a fun urban legend. I think they could make the 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 state of Connecticut could make a lot of money if they open this up for tours. And yet, What freaks me out the most about this urban legend is that it's completely blocked off. You cannot enter it. There are no trespassing signs everywhere. Any entrance you can take in a car is blocked. I find that really, really weird. And I researched more about this mysterious magical book, and I really couldn't find a whole lot on it. So next time I visit my home state, I'm going to have to do some more research. What do you think? There must be something bizarre. A state government would not just block off entrances to an entire town because the crops failed and everybody left. In fact, they would want that land to be tax producing would be my thought. So what's going on here? Yeah, what is going on? I had one of the spookiest things that happened to me in high school. We had a road in my town in Connecticut that was considered a haunted road. And I believe the, the tree was called the Joshua tree, but that could just be me mixing it up with my love of YouTube back then. Right. But I think that's what I think that's what we called it. But on this haunted road, there were 12 trees leading up to the Joshua tree. And it did look like, you know, how trees grow in weird gnarled shapes. It looked like Jesus on the crucifixion, you know, it, like the, the branches went out. There was a knob of wood hanging to the side, like a head. And someone had cut off one of the 12 trees to symbolize like Judas, you know, so it was just this spooky thing. And if you were bored on a Friday night and there were no good parties in town, very often kids would drive up to this haunted road and you were supposed to turn the lights off on your car and, you know, just scare the bejesus out of yourselves. One night I had, you know, new, new to this high school, new to all these myths and rumors and urban legends. And a friend of mine said, I want to take you up to see the Joshua tree or the Jesus tree. I really can't remember what we called it. I said, all right, fine. So we go up and he turns the lights off and I'm thinking, oh my God, is this like a lover's lane? Am I in a 1950s bad movie? And then his radio went out 
And I was like, you are making this up. And I, I hit the button to turn the radio on and it, it would not come on. The radio just stopped working. And I was like, this is ridiculous. What are you doing? And he said, I dare you to go out and touch the tree. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I go out and I touch the tree and there's something like wet on my hand. And I screamed and I go back in the car and the interior lights of the car come on and my hand is covered in red. And I thought it was blood and I'm freaking out. And then I realized he's freaking out. And I'm like, oh, this isn't like a setup. This isn't like, oh, let's scare this this new girl in town. And he turns the car so that his lights can face the tree and we can see like, what the heck is this red stuff that's all over my hand? And thankfully, someone had just spray painted Jesus Loves You on the tree in red spray paint. (laughs) Oh, good golly. That was terrifying for me. All right, let's move on. Let's leave Connecticut now and travel over to California. Imagine that you're hiking in the mountains of California. It's quiet and serene. The sun is slowly setting over the mountains, yet you can't shake this feeling that you're being watched. Was that a twig snapping or someone walking behind you? Is that a shadow leering over you or just the last rays of the setting sun? Maybe, or possibly, you've just encountered the dark watchers. Legends about these overly observant shadow beings go back 300 years. In the Santa Lucia Mountains along the California coast is allegedly home to a group of shadowy beings who appear around twilight. In the 1700s, Spanish explorers told stories of encountering these dark watchers. They described seeing these dark beings who range in height from 7 feet to 15 feet. They are always dressed head to toe in flowing black robes and wear wide-brimmed black hats. Some report seeing them with large walking sticks. They are always spotted at or near the top of the mountain, casting a large shadow over the range as they survey the land and people before them. Some people say these are predatory entities, while other people say they're protectors of the land. Even John Steinbeck wrote about these dark watchers in a short story called The Flight. He wrote, Pepe looked suspiciously back every minute or so, and his eyes sought the tops of the ridges ahead. Once on a white barren spur, he saw a black figure for a moment, but he looked quickly away, for it was one of the dark watchers. No one knew who the watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. Steinbeck wrote about this because his mom believed in the dark watchers and often told her son stories of seeing them. She said that she would leave them gifts of fruits or flowers near the Mule Deer Canyon on her way to teach in Big Sur in order to help keep her safe on her travels. Now, science writer James Felton said these stories are nonsense. You know, the skeptics, I love you guys, but you're so dull and boring. Like, you always got to come in. Let's ruin the party. He says, when the sun is low and the conditions are right, a shadow is cast by the walker onto the mist, making it appear as if a tall shadowy figure is watching them from nearby. Okay, that's a good point. But I would like to add, why are they only seen on this mountain range then? Wouldn't we have this on every mountain range? Mysterious Universe writes about a witness account from 2011 saying, Many years ago, I was with a friend driving through a dirt field here in Moreno Valley near what I believe were old abandoned barns. 
that I always had heard were haunted when my friend's car broke down. It could have been a coincidence because it was a beat-up old Volkswagen. It was dusk and there was no way we were going to make it out of the field before it was pitch black. Instead of chancing getting lost or hurt in the dark, we decided to sleep in the car and set out in the morning to go get help towing the car. This was way before cell phones. As we were killing time in the pitch black now, we were hanging out inside and outside of the car sharing smokes and we started to distinctly see what looked like black shadows evenly distributed, completely encircling us. They did not move. They stayed motionless, but were of significant size. And based on the distance, I would say at least the size of a small car like the Volkswagen bug we ourselves were in. Whatever they were seemed hunched over, perhaps kneeling. Time passed. They never moved, and then we walked around the car and got in and out of the car to see if what we were seeing was some sort of obstacle illusion, yet we couldn't explain or discredit what we were seeing. To this day, it racks my brain. So again, that makes you think, were they protecting these, these stranded motorists? Were they just watching them? We don't know. Mysterious Universe also shares an eyewitness account from another hiker named Elizabeth Benitez. She says, I remember one day my friend and I were coming back from Los Angeles. We passed the San Luis Obispo Reservoir, and as we drove on the road, I saw something at a distance down at the end of the mountain. It was a really big human figure, but it wasn't. It had a black cape, kind of like the Grim Reaper, and it was leaning over holding onto a staff at a puddle of water, or that's what it seemed like at a distance. It was in the daytime too, so I could identify it wasn't a person. Even in mid-light, he was very black and reminded me of a raven. I told my friend that was driving to look over at the mountains, and surprisingly, she was able to glimpse it as well. I asked her what she saw without giving her my details, and she said exactly what I saw. She only looked at it for about five seconds, but she was able to see it. She almost lost control of the car too when she looked away at it, so I begged her to go back and see it. She was very tired of driving already. These dark watchers are real. Another witness said he waved at a dark watcher and the shadowy being waved back. Again, skeptics say these sightings are either a trick of the light or possibly connected to infrared sounds that affect us, making us see hallucinations and feel as though we're being watched. But it is odd that these sightings only occur on this mountain range. That idea of these infrared sounds, I do find that fascinating. I think I've mentioned this before, but John Keel in the Mothman Prophecies talks about how there was this almost barrier around that abandoned TNT building where they think the Mothman originated from, and he could walk into this invisible barrier and feel frightened and scared, a little nauseous, and as though he were being watched. And then he could step out of that invisible barrier and not feel that at all. So there could be something to that. I don't know. I don't either, Samantha. You know, when you first started talking, there's a picture that circles around on the internet every year. It's a photograph of the way the shadows hit a particular place in some mountains. And the shadow is that of a gigantic wild cat. You know, it looks like a cougar kind of thing. But it only happens when the sun hits the mountains at a certain angle on a certain day of the year as it's going down. So when you first started talking, I thought, okay, maybe that's what we've got going on here. But the more you talk, the more I'm thinking, no, there probably are some kind of protective entities that live in this space. I, I don't doubt this story, believe it or not. This is one that, that at some level 
makes a lot of sense to me. The Saint Mount Shasta. No, yeah, yeah, maybe so. No, that's not where I was going. I'm thinking about various mountain ranges and how they are so connected to the strange and bizarre phenomenon, like these here in California or like the San Luis Valley that runs through Utah. There seems to be something deeply connected to entities and beings that we do not know or understand. I agree. It's definitely something to think about. So this weekend, I'm thinking about these urban legends and the stories, and this article pops up on Coast to Coast, written by Tim Banal, and I've got to share it because I wonder if it's similar. So I'm just going to read this article. It's very, very quick. Okay, it says, a Canadian man captured footage of what appears to be an enormous figure standing atop a mountain and then claimed that the strange sighting caused him to be targeted by the CIA. The very weird case reportedly began earlier this year as Andrew Dawson and a friend were driving to work in the province of Alberta. Their normal routine commute took a strange turn when he noticed something unusual protruding from the massive mountain Whistler's Peak off in the distance. While filming the puzzling oddity, Dawson was asked by his friend what he was watching and he replied with astonishment, I think it's a person, dude. Although his companion expressed understandable skepticism over what he had just been told, the anomaly seen in the video does indeed appear to be a rather sizable figure inexplicably standing on the mountain. When the footage was later posted to TikTok, the bewildering video amassed over 2 million views and kicked off a decidedly odd saga, wherein the young man attempted to get to the bottom of the mysterious figure, which some suspected could have been a Sasquatch or a giant. Over the course of the next several weeks, Dawson shared updates to the curious case, including a return to the mountain where he showed that the figure had mysteriously vanished. As he continues to investigate the sighting, he begins to grow increasingly suspicious that he had inadvertently stumbled upon something that he was not supposed to have seen. In a subsequent video, he tried to visit the mountain again and was brusquely turned away by what seemed to be some sort of authority figure who informed him the area was closed to the public. Eerily, the young man then started to think that he was being followed, which culminated with a very nervous-looking Dawson providing yet another updated video where he declared that all of his videos had been a hoax and was strictly for entertainment, while he nervously looked off camera repeatedly as if someone in the room was watching him. It makes you wonder if he really had stumbled someplace where he shouldn't have, and the, quote, authorities deterred his continued connection to that place. I know. Or is that all a hoax to get likes and views on TikTok? Who knows? Just like with the Mel Waters whole story, you know, he says officials shut that whole thing down. And that's why he couldn't ever get a picture of it to Art Bell, which is super suspicious. So I don't know. That's why these urban legends remain and grow and flourish, because we don't know. But they sure are fun to think about. How do you know? I mean, well, we may never know the answer to some of them. It's, for example, as you and I were talking in preparation for for this show, there are legends that are common to many areas. For example, in almost every state that I know of, there is some kind of a story of a young woman in a lovely prom dress on a bridge who needs a ride who isn't there when you put her in, her, in your car. You know, you, that story goes round and round and round. What is that about? What do we as people need from or get out of pondering or being connected in some way? to some of these stories. That's a part of this picture I don't think we talk about a lot. So why do we need these urban legends? 
Well, I think we need them because when we're afraid or contemplating the mysterious, it takes us out of the mundane. It takes us out of the drudgery of day-to-day life. And it's kind of like a gateway to exploring some of the actual mysterious, wonderful things about this universe we live in. Maybe so. It's just fun to ponder, isn't it? It sure is. And we hope you guys have had fun listening to us ponder these urban legends. So we hope you guys have a great week, not filled with anything spooky, but definitely something mysterious and miraculous. Please remember, as always, to be the light for yourself and others. Take care, everyone. listening to Psychic Teachers, a podcast for seekers, lightworkers, mystics, and magical thinkers. If you enjoy the show, please tell a friend and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on iHeart, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Google Podcast, Podbean, and more. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.